Hello everyone, welcome to Summit Church Fenton Online. I'm so glad you've joined me today and I look forward to sharing the Word of God with you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to begin a series and I'm going to conduct it for the next several weeks and the title is The Future. The Future. Now that's an interesting topic and uh, what we're going to do is we're going to go into the Word of God and we're going to start at the, the present time where we are and we're going to go through the Word of God and look what lay ahead for all of us on out into the future. And we're going to go all the way out over the next several weeks. We're going to go all the way out to the new heavens and the new earth. And so uh, I, I, I think you're going to find this very interesting because it affects, it affects all of us, the future. So with that in mind, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Revelation uh, that's the last book in the Bible. Turn to Revelation chapter 4. And uh, while you're turning there, uh, here's what I want to say. In the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, of course, uh, the Apostle John, he's been exiled to the Isle of Patmos because of his testimony uh, uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And while he was there, uh, the Lord gave him uh, the book of Revelation. And in, in chapter 1, you see the Lord appearing to him uh, and so forth. But then when you move into chapters 2 and 3, there are seven churches mentioned there. And uh, those seven churches in Revelation chapters 2 and 3 are symbolic of the church age in which we have been living now uh, or has been going on for the last 2,000 years. So there were seven literal local churches there. But those churches are, are also representative of the last 2,000 years since Jesus rose from the dead, you know, and, 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 and then those churches were established. And, but the last 2,000 years, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus has been raised from the dead approximately. And those 2,000 years are, are known as the church age. And we're living right at the end of the church age, okay? And that's where we're, it's been going on for 2,000 years approximately, and we're living right at the end of that time, the end of the church age. So with that being said, uh, you know, the future is out in front of us, so what is going to happen? And so uh, in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1, uh, as the church age culminates, we see this. Let's read Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. After these things I looked. So the Apostle John says he looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And uh, the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet. You underline that word trumpet in your Bible. Uh, he, it was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here. And I will show you things which must take place after this. So John, there on the Isle of Patmos, he, he hears this, this, this voice. It's like a trumpet. And it says to him, come up here. And he was, uh, he, you know, he was in the spirit. We'll see that here as we, as we, uh, read on. Uh, but he was caught up in the spirit. He was caught up to heaven. And this revelation, chapter 4, verse 1, it's right where the church age culminates or ends, okay? And it ends with this catching up. The Apostle John is a type of the church, and he's caught up 
to heaven. And um, that's where we get, and I'm not going to go into a long explanation of the word rapture, but that's where we get the word rapture. It's to be caught up, and that's where the, the church is caught up to heaven. So what lay ahead in the future? Well, for the church, those who have truly repented of their sins and placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, okay, uh, we're going to be caught up at some future time. We're going to be caught up to heaven. Now, those who are not Christians are going to be left behind here on the, on the earth, and they're going to have to go through a tribulation period, which is seven years in length. And I'll talk more about that as we move on into this series. But this, uh, this rapture of the church. Now, I spoke about it last week at the end of the message last week, but I, I, I feel impressed to the Holy Spirit to go over it again. Remember, repetition is the seed of learning. I heard a good preacher say that years ago, and it's just stuck with me. Repetition is the seed of learning, and it's so true. And so I just feel impressed to go over the, the rapture with you again. I want to say this, because it lay in our future, but I want to say this, and, and, and you must remember this, that there is a difference between the rapture of the church and what is known as the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and another way to explain it is we could say it this, that, you know, the second coming of Christ could be described as being in two parts. If you want to say it that way, there's the rapture of the church where the Lord comes, but he doesn't set his feet on the earth. He comes in the clouds. He comes in, in, in the atmosphere. And, uh, as we'll see, he catches the church up to himself. Like John heard that voice as the trumpet saying, come up, you know, come up to the, to heaven, to the throne of God. But in the rapture, the Lord does not set his feet on the earth. He comes in the clouds, in the air and catches the church up to himself to go back to heaven. Okay. Um, uh, then approximately seven years later is where you would get what is officially known as the second coming of Christ. So if you want to think about the second coming in two parts, the rapture where he doesn't set his feet upon the earth, seven years later where he actually does set his feet upon the earth. So one way, as I said, to explain it, the second coming in two parts, the rapture where he doesn't set his feet on the earth. And then seven years later, where he does, where he actually comes to the earth, Jesus comes to the earth, sets up his millennial kingdom. We're going to talk about that in the future. I'm going to go through the millennium with you. What's going to, what the, what the earth is going to be like in the millennium, what, what's going to be going on, what we're going to be doing, you know, we'll get to that later. But anyway, uh, there's the rapture of the church. And then approximately seven years later, there's the official second coming of Christ. You know, uh, a lot of people just don't understand that. And so I just wanted to take some more time to get that across to you. There's the rapture of the church. And then there's a seven-year tribulation period. We'll talk about that as we go. And then there's the official, you know, second coming where the Lord actually sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives. And, and, we'll, and we'll get into all, all of that later as we go. But for now, where we are living, as I said, is right at the end of the church age. And the next major event for the church is the, the rapture of the church or the catching up of the church into heaven. Okay. Uh, it sounds like a, a, a pretty bizarre thing, but it's, it, it, it is bizarre, but it's true because the Bible clearly 
teaches it. And uh, uh, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. want to go over this with you again. Again, repetition is the seed of learning. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13. Uh, the Apostle Paul writing here and he says, But I do not want you to be ignorant or unlearned, brethren, concerning those who have uh, the Bible says fallen asleep, but it actually means who have already died. Okay, so I do not want you to be unlearned, brethren, concerning those who have already died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. He's talking about the people who have already died. They've already they've already died in Christ. They were believers. Okay, that's who he's talking about here. Believers who have already died. Okay. Their bodies have been buried. Their spirits, because they were believers on the Lord Jesus Christ, their spirits are in heaven with him. Okay, that's who he's talking about right here. The Bible says for a Christian to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You need to realize you are a spirit being. And when you die, your spirit's going to leave your body. Okay, your body will be buried. Sometimes people have their bodies cremated, whatever the case. But your your spirit will leave your body. You know, the body without the spirit is dead, the Bible says. And when your spirit leaves your body, it goes one of two places. There's only two places. If you're born again, if you know Jesus is your Savior, you go to heaven. And to be absent from the body for a Christian is to be present with the Lord. If you're not a Christian, I mean a for real Christian, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, then when your spirit leaves your body, you go to a place of torment called hell, and that's eternal. And uh, there's no way of escape uh, from it, okay? And so, um, so be sure that you know Jesus as your Savior before you leave your body. You know, don't leave, don't, you know, don't leave home without it. it was that old uh, commercial, you know, uh, from years ago for American Express uh, a credit card? Well, don't leave your body without Jesus because I tell you what, if you do, you'll go to hell. You need to know Jesus as your Savior. But that's who he's talking about here. People who have already died in Christ. And really he's talking about everyone from the time of Adam and Eve all the way down to the time when the rapture takes place, which lay out in front of us. All those people who have died in Christ is who he's talking about. So he says, I don't want you to be unlearned, brethren, concerning those who have already died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. See, if you don't know Jesus, you have no hope. But anyway, verse 14, for if you believe, or if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, well, that's believing the gospel right there. Even so, God will bring with him those who, who have already died in Jesus. Okay? And uh, when the Lord comes back if, in the rapture, he's going to bring with him all the spirit spirits of those people who have already died. And when I say have already died, people who are believers... All right, they've already died. Their spirits are in heaven with the Lord. When he comes back in the rapture, he's going to bring those spirits of those people with him. You need to realize that because they're going to get their physical bodies back. We'll see that as we go here. But just remember that. So if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have already died in Jesus or in Christ. See, that's the key, being in Christ. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. The rapture is the word of the Lord. You know, it absolutely is. Somebody said, well, the word rapture is not even in the Bible. Well, neither is the word Trinity, but you know there's the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Or, or the, I'm not going to go through how we got the word rapture. I'm not going to take the time. But, but uh, it, it comes from being caught up. 
you know, to being caught up. That's what happens at the rapture. The church gets caught up. And so for we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who have already died. Okay. For now, here's what's going to actually happen now at the rapture. Okay. Now watch this. Verse 16. First Thessalonians 4, 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Okay. With the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. Now see, there's that word trumpet again. And we saw that in Revelation chapter four when uh, John said he heard a voice like a trumpet saying, come up here. Well, that's the, that's the trumpet right here in first Thessalonians four. Uh, in the book of Revelation, many trumpets, trumpets, trumpets are mentioned. Uh, and there's like seven trumpets and, and I'll say some things about that as we go on out here in the next several weeks. But this trumpet, don't get this trumpet confused with the seven trumpets of Revelation, those trumpet judgments that we'll talk about as we go. This is the trumpet of God that that calls the dead out of the graves. I tell you, when I say dead, I'm talking about those who have died in Christ. I tell you what, that is going to be a powerful trumpet blast. I mean, I'll tell you what. And and so the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. What a shout that's going to be. I mean, a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. I mean, man, whoo, that's going to be something, is it? And the dead in Christ will rise first. See the dead, those who have already died in Christ, they were believers on the Lord Jesus Christ, will rise first. See, he brings their spirits back with him. We already already read that. Their bodies are blasted out of the graves. If they've been cremated, they're going to be uncremated. I mean, they're only the power of God could do this. I mean, their bodies are going to come back together and resurrected, and and I could talk for a long time about that from First Corinthians fifteen. But anyway, the I mean, and and their bodies are going to be uh, glorified like the body Jesus had when he walked out of that tomb on resurrection morn. And those soldiers, I mean, they all there that was guarding that tomb, they all bit the dust. I mean, he walked out of there. The angel came down, rolled the stone away. And, and, and the Bible says Jesus walked out and his countenance was like lightning. Glory to God, his raiment's white as snow. And I mean, those guards, I mean, they bit the dust. I mean, he had that glorified body when he walked out of that tomb. Well, we're going to get bodies similar to that. Absolutely. So the dead in Christ... Rise first, and what happens is their bodies are raised, incorruptible, glorified bodies, and their spirits, these are talking about people who've already died in Christ, their spirits go back into their bodies to live forever. Isn't it? I mean, again, that's a bizarre thing, and, and, and I'd have a hard time believing it if it wasn't in the Bible, but it's clearly in the Bible, and I believe it. Glory to God. What a time that's going to be. And, uh, and so that's what happens to those who have, have already died in Christ. But then you say, well, what about me? Well, that's kind of what everybody asks. Is it? What about me? Well, in verse 17, we're going to talk about you. If you're still alive, if we're still living when the rapture takes place. Okay. Then we, and the implication is we in Christ. We in Christ. All right. This is only for believers. 
You know, somebody said, well, who goes in the rapture? Who goes in the rapture? Everybody who is a true believer on the Lord Jesus Christ. Absolutely guaranteed fact. That's, you know, heaven is a free gift. There's nothing you and I can do to earn our way to heaven. It's by, it's by grace through faith in Christ. And everybody who has truly placed their faith in Christ Jesus will go in the rapture. I am convinced of that. Because there is a teaching out there that says, well, you've got to be born again and, you know, living just, just on fire life for the Lord. Well, I believe in living an on fire life for the Lord. But I tell you what, think about it. Because there's a teaching that says, well, you got to be born, not only born again, but living on fire to be able to go in the rapture and go to heaven. But if you really think about that, what have we just added to the grace of God? We've added our works to it, right? Because I just said that teaching teaches that you have to be doing something, living on fire to get to go. And so what I'm trying to say here, I think that teaching is errant that says you have to, you know, be living a certain way. Now, I believe in holiness. I believe in living right. But the Bible teaches it, but here's the thing, you know, uh, uh, that, that, that teaching that says, well, you gotta be born again and, and on fire to go in the rapture. Well, we've just added some works to the grace of God, haven't we? If we, if, if we hold to that teaching, because then we're saying, well, you know, you know, how on fire do you have to be living? To, you know, you see what I'm saying? So I don't hold to that well that, you know, that, that, that only the Christians that are living on fire for the Lord go in the rapture. I believe that we get to, that heaven is a, is a free gift and we get to go solely by our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So somebody says, well, what about those people who aren't living, those Christians who aren't living on fire for the Lord? What about, what about them? Well, you hold on here. By the time I finish this teaching, you'll see what, you'll see some things about that, okay? But I believe it's clear in the Bible, those in Christ get to go in the rapture, get to go to heaven. Heaven's a free gift through faith in Jesus Christ. So then we, verse 17, this is 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, then we, who are in Christ, okay, who are alive and remain shall be caught up. See, just like John was caught up there on the Isle of Patmos to heaven, we'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now you talk about that, that, think about that, think about that. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. So what's going to happen to us if we're alive and remain, we're going to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Thus, we'll ever be with the Lord. That's going to be something, isn't it? I mean, flying up in the air. Again, if it wasn't in the Bible, I'd have trouble believing it. But that's what the Bible says. I believe it. And up we go. And then the the uh, the, the last verse there, the next verse says, comfort one another with these words. That is comforting. Now, uh, for a little more on this, again, I gave this to you last week, but I want to get, get it across to you. I want you to understand what's going to happen here. First Corinthians 1550. Go over there. Gives us a little bit more on this. First Corinthians 1550. The apostle Paul writes and he says, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Uh, so you see, uh, like if you're born again, your spirit is ready for the, for heaven in the presence of God. But your physical body, my physical body, in the shape you see me right now, this physical body, not ready for the for the the, the presence of God, the glory. We could couldn't take the glory of God. 
the glory of God in heaven would just consume this physical body, you see? The body's going to have to be changed, okay? So, so the dead in Christ, they get blasted out of the graves, they get glorified bodies, their spirits are reunited with their bodies, and back to heaven they go, okay? But if we're alive and remain here on the earth, when the rapture takes place, he's going to tell us here uh, about this, this mystery. He says, we shall not all sleep or not all die. There is a generation that's going to be exempted from death. Like I said last week, I want to say it again. I hope I'm part of that. I want to cheat the undertaker. I really, really do. I don't like thinking about my body laying in a casket. Okay. But he said, he said, we'll not all die, but we'll all be changed. Absolutely. All be changed. How fast? Look at verse 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, there's that trumpet again. <laughs> I'm waiting to hear that trumpet. How about you? There's that trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. So they get their glorified bodies. Bodies, their spirits go back in their bodies and back to heaven, as I've said, and we shall be changed. So what happens if we're alive when the rapture takes place? Faster than I can snap my finger, blink my eye, our bodies will be changed, glorified, into a glorified body similar to the body that Jesus had when he walked out of the tomb, as I already, as I already said, we'll get those glorified bodies and then, because our spirits are, are already ready for the presence of God because we're born again if we know Jesus, but then our bodies will be changed and, boom, I mean, gone. We're up, up and away, up to heaven, glory to God. Won't that be uh, uh, something? The dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain will be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wow. So that, you see, what is in our future, that is in our future. And I tell you what, if you were sad when you started watching me right now, I'm not even halfway done with my message and you ought to be glad. I mean, if you're a Christian, absolutely. I mean, uh, that ought to preach, that ought to preach you happy. I mean, really, that is exciting, isn't it? Praise God forevermore. So what lay in our future? Well, for Christians, the rapture of the church. Now, I want to tell you though, and I think it's very clear, that, you know, yes, as Christians, we live in this earth and, and, and we have victory and thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we live, we should be living victoriously, absolutely and blessed. And I believe in all of that. But I will say this as, as, as we move on into the future, I believe that there's going to be a persecution to come against Christians that, that is going to rival the days of the early church. Absolutely. I believe that. And, uh, and, and yes, before the worst of it comes, I believe the Lord is going to catch the church up in the rapture out of this earth. But I do believe that the church is going to have to go through some, some persecution. The Bible says all who will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I believe there's going to be a persecution come against the church that that is uh, is going to rival the the days of the early church some two thousand years ago, and uh, and uh, I tell you what uh, I, 
I, well, I believe that's going to happen. And uh, But before the worst of it comes, I believe the Lord will catch us up out of here. Now, uh, let me just say this. When you talk about the rapture of the church, and, and you may have heard this, but some, some haven't, so I'll go through it. There's a view of a pre-tribulation rapture because you see there's a seven-year tribulation period that lay out in front of us also. And I, I do not believe the church is going to have to enter into that seven-year tribulation period. I'll talk more about that next week, the seven-year tribulation period. But that, that does lay out in the future. I believe the church is going to be raptured out of the earth before that tribulation period begins. Okay? And I'm going to tell you why here, here in just a moment. But I do believe the church is going to have to go through some persecution before the rapture. But, but I do believe the church will be taken out of the earth before the tribulation period begins, before the Antichrist is released. We'll get into that as we go along in this series. But, but there's a, a pre-trib view, which I hold to that that the, that the church will be raptured out of here pre-tribulation, before the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation begins. There's another view that says the church will be raptured in the middle of the tribulation, you know, at the three-and-a-half-year mark. And then there's another view that says the church will be raptured at the end of the tribulation, um, although that's that's quite amusing to me because, you know, you don't see the church mentioned on earth after after uh, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, you don't see the church mentioned again on the earth until the end of the book of Revelation when we come back with Jesus riding on the white horses to fight the battle of Armageddon. And, uh, you know, if that post-trib theory was t- correct, well, how did we get to heaven? I mean, we'd had to have been raptured and then make a quick U-turn and come right back with him. Uh, <laughs> look, the reason there's confusion about pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib is because really, in one sense, uh, they're all three correct. There is a pre-tribulation uh, rapture of the church. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just spent 10 minutes telling you about it. Absolutely. But also, as we go along in this series, we'll see that mid-tribulation, there's also a, a, a rapture, if you will, or a catching up of everyone who got saved during the first half of the tribulation. You need to realize that during that tribulation, multitudes of people are going to be getting saved. People that should have been getting, should have got saved before the rapture of the church. And now all of a sudden all the Christians are gone and those people are saying, Oh, wait a minute. Uh, I should have got saved. Well, you know, before the rapture took place. Plus there'll be great evangelism going on during that time. The tribulation. We'll talk about that as we go. Many people getting saved and, and at the middle of the tribulation, all those people that got saved during the first half of the tribulation, during the first three and a half year period, they're going to get caught up to heaven. Okay? And that's why some people teach a mid-trib view, and there is a truth in it. And then at the end of the tribulation, and when I say a truth in, there's a truth in that view in that there is a mid-tribulation rapture. But there's also a pre-tribulation. There's a, you see, God is so good, He doesn't want His children to go through 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 hard times he you know you know particularly the kinds of things that we're going to see that's going to be going on on the earth during the tribulation period uh, but anyway there's a pre-trib rapture of the church and then the tribulation begins and then all the people that get saved during the first half of that tribulation there's going to be another rapture mid-tribulation okay and then at the end of the tribulation there's a resurrection that takes place 
where the Bible says, and they lived, that's all the people that got saved during the last half of the tribulation, all right? Uh, those who would not take the mark of the beast and all of that, and, and they'll have to get beheaded and all sorts of terrible things for their testimony for Jesus. We'll talk about that as we go. But it says they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. We'll get into all that. But uh, I just wanted to, to bring that up because sometimes people get confused with po- uh, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, and then the old joke, pan-trib, it'll all pan out in the end. But there's really a truth in pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, but there is a pre-trib. And the next thing that lay ahead for the church is that is is a rapture of the church where we're caught out of here before the tribulation period begins. Okay, and uh, when could the rapture take place? When could it take place? Well, I told you last week, I'll tell you again, it could take place before I finish this message. It could take place any time where the Lord could come back and catch us, the church, out of here. Absolutely. Now, after he catches us out of here, that tribulation period begins seven years uh, will ensue after that. And then at the end of that time, as I said, is where he actually comes and sets his feet on the Mount of Olives. Um, uh, that second coming is, is, is a bit easier to pinpoint. We can't know the day or the hour. A little easier to pinpoint, you know, because you have the Antichrist arising, the seven year tribulation, the mark of the beast, all of that. And then at the end of that, you know, you see all the armies gathered to the Middle East and, and it's, it's much easier to pinpoint Jesus' official second coming. The rapture though, you know, we're, we're less clear on when that's going to take place. But I tell you what, all the signs, I gave the signs to you last week, all the signs are in place. The Lord could come in the rapture at any moment. So you need to be ready. Let me just say this. Reasons I think the pre-tribulation, uh, uh, you know, that the church is going to be raptured out before the tribulation begins. The reason I believe that, there's eight things here. Number one, uh, the Bible tells us to pray that we're counted worthy to escape. Why would the Bible tell us to pray that if it, if we were going to have to go through the tribulation? Okay. Pray. And I'm not going to give you these verses. I could, but hey, assignment. Look these verses up. Go to your concordance and find these verses. But there's a verse that says that we should pray that we're counted worthy to escape the tribulation. The Bible says, second reason, God has not appointed us to wrath. That's another reason I believe in the uh, uh, pre-tribulation rapture of the church. There's a a third point here, third, third reason. The church, as I've already said, is not mentioned on earth again until the end of the tribulation period. Once, once we get past Revelation 4.1, you don't see the church on the earth again till, till the end of the tribulation. And then, if the church, you know, this concept of comfort, if, if the church had to go through the tribulation, then, then, you know, remember we read over there in, in, in the Thessalonians, comfort one another. See, if we had to go through the tribulation as a church, the church had to go through tribulation, it wouldn't be comforting, would it? And then, and then the fifth reason, that I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture is that during the tribulation, during the seven-year tribulation, the Jews are being dealt with, uh, not the church. See, the church is God's voice on the earth right now, but during the, and, and God, you know, he's got a great plan for the Jewish people, absolutely, 
But right now, he's, it's a church age, but when, when the church is taken out at the rapture, then during the seven-year tribulation, he's dealing with, the Lord's dealing with the Jews. And then, of course, the Antichrist can't even be released until the church is raptured or taken out of the way. I brought that out last week. We'll talk more about that as we go here. And then, uh, and then as I've already said, we come back with the Lord at the end of the book of Revelation. We have to get to heaven somehow, okay? And then, of course, if, uh, uh, another reason that I believe in the pre-tribul, uh, the pre-tribulation rapture is that if we didn't get up, go up to heaven at, you know, we would miss out on some heavenly events. And so, just some reasons, you know, it's really easy to say, well, I believe in the pre-tribulation rapture of the church, but, Let's state some reasons. Well, I've given you eight reasons why I believe the church will be raptured before the tribulation period begins, okay? I didn't go into detail with you. As I said, you look these verses up yourself. Good assignment for you. Get a concordance. Go on, you can go online, <laughs> Google any of these things and come up with the verses. But, uh, but yeah, uh, eight reasons why. But now, as I conclude the message in the next several minutes, I want to, I want to talk about uh, we're talking about what lay out in our future. And of course, for the church, yes, some, some persecution, yes, and victory and all of that, certainly. Because, you know, the Apostle Paul said, many are the, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver him out of them all. Okay, so, so yes, for the church, moving forward, times of great victory, times of great rejoicing, times of persecution. But then the big event is the rapture of the church, where the church is caught up to be with the Lord. And again, when I say church, I can't say this enough. I'm not talking about church in name only. I'm not talking about Christian in name only. I'm talking about people who are truly born again, been washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, they've become a new person in Christ through through their faith in Him and through the grace of God. That's who, when I say church, when I say Christian, that's what I'm talking about. There's a lot of people that, that, that say, you know, they say church and, you know, it's in name only or, or they're a Christian. It's in name only. You know, you look at them, but they don't, they don't, they, they have Christian. They say they're a Christian, but they don't live like one. There's no evidence that they've ever truly been born again. When I say a church Christian, I'm talking about somebody truly born again of the spirit of God. All right. So just to make myself clear. So, so anyway, with that being said, all right, so the next great event is the rapture of the church. But let's talk a little bit more here. Go back to Revelation chapter 4. And let's begin again in verse, uh, or look at verse 1 again. I already read it, but let's, let's read it again. After these things I looked, and behold, the door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I'll show you things which must take place after this. So already read that, already went over it. Now watch what happens when John gets to heaven, he said immediately, he said, I was in the spirit and behold, a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. This is Revelation chapter four, verse three. So, I mean, look, he's in the spirit, he, a throne in heaven, one sat on the throne. That's God. I mean, wow, think about that. And he's, and then verse three, and he who sat there was like a jasper, a sardis stone in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. I mean, I tell you what, uh, <laughs> like an emerald, I mean, that's the throne of God. I mean, that's the throne of God. I mean, you know, 
Like the Wizard of Oz, remember when Dorothy, the Tin Man, the Scarecrow, and the Lion, and Toto first saw Emerald City, you know? Wow, you know, <laughs> I tell you what, I, you take that and you, you, you put that on steroids times a bazillion, that's what it's gonna be like to see the throne of God. My goodness gracious. And John got to see that. Some of the prophets in the Old Testament got to see that. My goodness gracious. There's, and there's those, uh, what those, uh, 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 those angels around the throne of God that have eyes all the way around their heads, was cherubim or seraphim? Whoo, glory to God! I mean, to see those things, I tell you what, you haven't seen anything like that before. And they they cry out, "Holy, holy, holy!" I mean, I mean, wow. Anyway, it's all in the Bible, you know. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I get excited when I think about the throne of God. And uh, and then, anyway, so John gets to see the throne of God. Verse 4, he says, Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed with white robes. They had crowns of gold on their heads. Now, that's what I want to conclude the message talking about here. Where did they get those crowns of gold? We're talking about our future. Where did they get those crowns of gold? Well, first of all, there's 24 of them. They're representative. Now, there were 24 thrones, but they are also representative of the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles of the Lamb, okay? Representing Old Testament saints and New Testament saints. So there's really 24 thrones, absolutely, but and 24 elders, absolutely, and, 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 and you know, uh, the, the apostles, you know, Peter, James, John, you know, we just did a series not long ago on lessons from the apostles. They're all <laughs> have a throne and, and, and then the 12 tribes of Israel. But the point is they're representative of you and me and they have crowns of gold on their heads. I want to talk about where they got those crowns as I close up this message, but look at verse 10. And the 24 elders fell down before him who sits on the throne. Let's just skip to verse 10, sake of time. I'd recommend you read those other verses, but the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. So they're taking these gold crowns and they're laying them at the Lord's feet and worshiping him. Where did they get the crowns? All right, here's where they got the crowns. Now, Go, if you would, to 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, because we're talking about the future, what lay ahead for us in the future. As I've already said, the next big event is the rapture of the church. But then after that, see, John is caught up, Revelation 4, 1, he's caught up to heaven, okay? And and so he the church is taken out of the earth. As we read on in Revelation over the next weeks, we'll see that the tribulation period ensues and all of that. But now the church is in heaven. And uh and notice here in Second Corinthians the fifth chapter and uh and verse six, we're gonna read about what is known as the judgment seat of Christ. Where did these elders get these crowns? They got them at the judgment seat of Christ. Right after the rapture of the church, there's going to be what is known as the judgment seat of Christ. You know, the Bible says, I believe it's in the book of Hebrews, that it's appointed unto men once to die and after this the judgment. Now, I personally believe that when a believer dies, that uh, they die, their spirit goes, a believer in the Lord Jesus, their spirit goes to heaven. And I personally believe that they stand before the judgment seat of Christ at, at that point. Uh, 
when a sinner dies, it's appointed unto men, wants to die after this. When I say men, mankind wants to die after this, the judgment. When an unbeliever dies, uh, they get judged also and, and they go to hell uh, at that point. Now, we'll get to this as we go. But later on down the road, we'll talk about what's known as the great white throne judgment, where, where they will, will again stand before God and be judged and then be sentenced to an even worse place known as the lake of fire. We'll talk about that as we go on in this, in this series. But I believe when a, a, a believer dies, that, uh, that they go to heaven, they stand before the judgment of the Lord. That's, that's what I personally think. But, but others believe, and, and this could be right, that, that, that all believers are judged a- after the rapture of the church. Now, either one could be correct, uh, and what I mean by that is that, you know, when, when a Christian dies, they they go to heaven and are me- immediately judged before they get to go on into heaven. You understand? Uh, uh, and, and we'll talk about this more as we go. And, and yet, uh, Others believe that the judgment seat of Christ is going to take place uh, after the rapture of the church, which I also hold to that. What I'm saying is, is that I think that when a believer dies, uh, it's appointed unto men once to die after this, the judgment, that they go to heaven, stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and then, and then, and then enter, enter into heaven after that. Um, but others teach, and it, it could be correct, that, that there's going to be just, just one judgment seat of Christ where all the believers are judged for their works. So uh, either one could be correct, but here's the thing. There is going to be a judgment seat of Christ, okay? And and this is going to, and most all scholars believe this, that after the rapture of the church, there's going to be what is known the judgment seat of Christ. Now you have to understand something. Now listen carefully. This is not a heaven-hell judgment, the heaven-hell judgment took place at the cross of Christ, okay? Took place at the cross some 2,000 years ago, all right? Jesus bore our sins in his own body on the tree. He bore our judgment for sin. He bore our judgment for hell. He bore that, okay? So when we receive Jesus as our Savior, the heaven-hell issue for us is over, okay? And, and, and when we receive Jesus, heaven is a guaranteed fact, okay? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that good news? So this judgment I'm going to talk about is not a heaven-hell judgment. Again, the heaven-hell judgment took place at the cross. When we receive Jesus, we miss hell, we make heaven, and that's a sealed deal for eternity. What good news is that? Wow. But here's the thing. There is a judgment for our works. Now, the Bible says it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done to get us to heaven. It's by God's mercy. So we are not saved by our good works. No, no, no. We're saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's what you need to know. This judgment seat of Christ has to do only with believers' works as it pertains to rewards. Okay, we're talking about where did these elders get these crowns? Well, these are crowns of rewards. And they got them at the judgment seat of Christ. Okay, again, I am not talking about working for our salvation. You can't work for your salvation. If you try to work for your salvation, you're never going to obtain it. Okay, and people that work for their salvation end up in hell. Okay, (laughs) 
It's a free, salvation is a free gift by repenting of your sins, receiving Jesus as your Savior, trusting, believing in Him, you see. Not just a mental ascent, but believing with your heart on Him, okay? Heaven's a free gift. What this, this, this judgment seat of Christ, I'm going slow because I want you to get it. It has to do with the judgment of believers, not sinners, believers, okay? And it's not a heaven hell issue. It's a reward, our loss of reward for works, whether good or bad, done here on the earth once you've gotten saved, okay? From the time you got saved after, what kind of works did you do? You know, good ones, bad ones. That's what this judgment seat of Christ is all about. So with that being said, let's read 2 Corinthians 5 verse 6. So we are always confident knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. Okay? So he's talking about when you're still alive on the earth, your spirit's in your body, you're absent from the Lord. We walk by faith, not by sight. Verse 8. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body uh, and to be present with the Lord. Well, that's a good deal. When a believer dies or absent from the body and uh, present with the Lord. So he's talking about people now who are who are with the Lord. Okay? And here we go. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Again, this is not a heaven-hell issue. Okay? It's not that at all. It has to do with our works as a Christian from the time we get saved on, on forward the good, whether we've done good works or bad works, not a heaven hell. It's not like, oh, well, we did good works, we get to go to heaven. We did bad works, we go to hell. No. All right. We're saved by grace through faith. Okay. People that go to hell go to hell because they did not receive Jesus Christ. You understand that? You need to understand that. But this is talking about people who have received Jesus and now they're going to be judged for the things they've done in their bodies whether good or bad. So you got the rapture of the church, the church caught up to heaven, and now there's going to be a judgment seat of Christ where believers are going to be judged for uh, not whether or not they get to go into heaven. That's a, that's a sealed deal. They're going into heaven. It has to do with the rewards, rewards that you get based on your life that you lived here on the earth. Do you understand that? I hope I, I've been pastoring three decades and I've had a dickens of a time getting that through to some people, but that's why I'm belaboring the point here. I want you to get it, all right? You receive Jesus as your Savior, you're going to heaven, game, set, match, you know? But then the works we do in our bodies, we're going to be judged for those in heaven, and we're going to receive reward or lose reward uh, based on our works, all right? But we get to go into heaven Either way, okay? So let's read on here. He says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. What's in our in our future? A rapture of the church, a judgment seat of Christ. That each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he's done, whether good or bad. Absolutely. He just said it right there, whether good or bad. Again, you know, I've I'm pastoring a long time and, and and myself as a Christian. There's things I've done that's good. There's things I've done that's bad. You know, things I shouldn't have done. All the, you, you understand? And, and I've watched Christians, you know, really, they believed on the Lord Jesus. They were truly saved, but they didn't always live on fire for the Lord as they should. They, they, you understand what I'm saying? And they didn't help the poor as they should, or they didn't, you know, they, they didn't share the gospel with others as they should. These sorts of things. 
Those are, those are bad things. But yet I've watched Christians do good things, you know, like, like give to the poor and, and, uh, serve in the local church and, and this sort of thing. See, serving in the local church will not get you to heaven. You understand that giving to the poor will not get you to heaven, but serving in the church, giving to the poor will get you a reward, a crown when you are in heaven. You understand? We'll say more about that here as we read. So I'm, I'm, I'm belaboring this because I want you to get it. And then, uh, and then he says about this judgment seat of Christ. Let me, I'm going to do verse 10 again. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. He's talking to believers here that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he's done, whether good or bad. Knowing, now watch this, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. The terror of the Lord. See, the judgment seat of Christ is going to be a great time of, of celebration, all right, as we receive rewards from the Lord, but it's also going to be a time of terror, as we'll see. So, uh, go to 1 Corinthians 3. Go to 1 Corinthians 3, and we'll, we'll see about that, about the, the good and the, the terror. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, because it gives us more on the judgment seat of Christ. It says this, no other foundation, this is 1 Corinthians 3, 11. 1 Corinthians 3, 11. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. See, he's your foundation into heaven. You gotta receive him and trust in him. Call on him, see, believe in him. No other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation, now here's what we're talking about, our works. With gold, silver, precious stones, that's the good works. That's going to church regular, helping the poor, you know, uh, you know, uh, w- telling people about Jesus, these sorts of things. You know, doing good, gold, silver, precious stones, and then there's wood, hay, straw. So the foundation is Jesus, but after we're saved, now we build on that foundation with either good works or bad works, all right? We should do good, but he calls the good works gold, silver, precious stone, and wood, hay, and straw. Now, then he says, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it. He's talking about the day of the judgment seat of Christ because it will be revealed by fire. He's not talking about the fire of hell. He's talking about the fire of God. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Wow. So what lay in our future? Yes, the rapture of the church, but also the judgment seat of Christ, where we're going to have to stand before God, not based on our sin. That was dealt with at the cross of Jesus Christ, but based on our works. And it's not a matter of we're going to get to go to heaven or not. No, we're already assured for heaven, but it's what kind of reward are we going to receive? And every Christian is going to have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and be tested by the fire of Almighty God. And you talk about a terrifying thing. It really is. To be, to have your work tested by the fire of Almighty God. Now watch what the Bible says. It said, it said, it, it says, uh, for each one's work will become clear. The day will declare it, uh, because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. What kind of works do you have in your life? It's going to be tested. Absolutely. It's going to be tested by the fire of God. I feel impressed to say this. You know, the Lord got this across to me years ago. Uh, as a preacher, I believe ministers of the gospel ought to be, ought to be, uh, flames of fire. Ought to, I mean, we ought to stand in pul- the pulpit as, as I did for now three decades 
And uh, we ought to let the Holy Ghost flow through us as we teach the Word of God. And, and, and you know, uh, uh, the fire of God, you know, yes, we're going to stand before the fire of God at the judgment seat of Christ. But we're, we also, I believe, in, in a way, ought to be standing before the fire of God on a weekly basis as ministers that He's called to the pulpits, step into their pulpits, and in love they begin to teach the Word of God. And at times the fire of the Holy Ghost comes across uh, that pulpit out of that Word and just takes that congregation and just burns all the junk off that congregation. Absolutely. Wouldn't it be a better deal to have the junk burned off you down here on the earth in a church service? Where you can make a change and repent rather than, wouldn't it be a better deal to get the junk burned off you down here than the, when you stand up in heaven and have the junk burned off you at the judgment seat of Christ? See, if the junk gets burned off you down here, you have time to repent. But up there, it's too late. You know, you'll lose reward. Not lose salvation, lose reward. And I tell you what, I've had the power of God come on me more times than I can could even count over thirty years, and the fire of God would just just spiritually speaking just 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 move through the congregation and and the intent of the Holy Ghost was to burn things off people that you know gossip off of people and backbiting and 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 you know different things that, that just burn it off of them and out of them. And, and some people would repent, absolutely, but I tell you, far more would get mad and leave, never come back. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? You know, the Holy Ghost got this across to me years ago. And, uh, uh, and the reason I say this, not long ago I heard a pastor, he was talking about his church, and he said, I'll come to my church, it's a safe, safe environment. And he wasn't talking about safe from terrorism, you know, somebody coming in with a gun and shooting. He was talking about it was safe to come because you'd never be made to feel uncomfortable in your sin. Isn't that sad? That is so sad. That's one of the reasons the United States is in the mess spiritually and, phys- and, 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 and f- physically that it's in because of that. It all goes back to the pulpit. He said, come to my church. It's a safe place. What he was really saying is, you'll never be made to feel uncomfortable. Well, I tell you what, Holy Ghost got this across to me years ago as a pastor. He said this to me. He said, everybody's welcome. But nobody comfortable, including me in the pulpit, if there's something in your life that shouldn't ought to be there. Now that, I got that off the Holy Ghost, and that's, that's a good, that's a good way to run a church. Because a, a, a church called by God, a, a pastor will go into that pulpit, and he'll get under the anointing at times, and the power of God will go through, and the fire of God will go through that congregation, and just the intent to burn junk off of Christians that shouldn't ought to be there. You know, I don't want to go to a church that's safe in that way. I want to go to a church where the fire of God, God can flow and things can get a little hectic. You know what I mean? But, but it's to, the end is to be to, to the good of people, to help people, you see. You understand what I'm saying. But anyway, everybody welcome, nobody comfortable until, until your life is the way it ought to be before the Lord. And the reason for that is one day we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and be tested with the fire of God. And look at verse 14. If anyone's work which he has built on that foundation of Jesus endures, he will receive a reward. Where did those elders get those crowns? At the judgment seat of Christ. They're crowns of reward. Now watch this. This is one of my most... This next verse has my, my full attention. Watch this. So verse 14, If anyone's work which he has built on it, they got saved, born again, Heaven's a for sure deal, but now they're, we're building on that foundation. This is a, a judgment of, 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 of our works. And, uh, and if we've done good, 
we're going to receive a reward. Now, the reward is not heaven. We already have that. That's a done deal. The reward is a crown. You know, uh, and, and, and if you've done good, you receive a reward. Much cause for rejoicing. But now this next verse. If anyone's work is burned. Oh, my gosh. That's the wood, hay, and the straw. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. Not loss of salvation, though. Let's read on. He will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through that fire of God. My goodness. What about Christians that live down here? They're truly born again, all right, but they're not living for the Lord as they should. The rapture of the church takes place. They're caught up to God, all right, you know, and they stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Their salvation, free gift from God through Christ. But now their works have to be judged. Remember a while ago I said that everybody that's born again goes into rapture? Absolutely. But what about people? What about Christians whose lives aren't as they should be? Well, they'll stand before this judgment seat of Christ. The fire of God will lap all around them. And all those bad works will be burned to smithereens. They'll suffer loss. It's a terrifying thing. The terror of the Lord. They'll suffer loss. We're talking Christians. will suffer loss. But they themselves will be saved. Yet through, through this very fire. See, it's a loss of reward, not a loss of salvation. I tell you what, the judgment seat of Christ is going to be a time of great rejoicing for many Christians who've lived right down here on the earth and done what they should. But for other lukewarm, lackadaisical Christians... They're going to suffer loss. They themselves will be saved because salvation's a free gift, but they themselves will suffer loss. And oh, it'll be a sad day for them in that they'll have no crowns to present at Jesus' feet. They'll get to go into heaven, but they'll have no crowns to worship Jesus with. My, my, my. What are those crowns? I'll close by saying this. What are those crowns or reward? And study these out in Scripture. I don't have time to go through them with you, but there's five crowns. One is known as the crown of life. It's for those who endure persecution, hardness, and even death. Sometimes known as a martyr's crown. Could call it that. But it's a crown of life for those who endure persecution, hardness, and even death for the cause of Christ. Wow. That's one crown. Another crown is known as the victor's crown for those who resist temptation and keep their flesh under control. I'll say that again. For those who resist temptation and keep their flesh under control. Every time you resist temptation successfully, there's a crown, there's a victor's crown for you. Absolutely. You keep your flesh under control. Yeah. Oh yeah, they, they, they called you a bad name and you, you want to retaliate in kind, but no, you turn the other cheek, there's a crown for you. Called the victor's crown for those who resist temptation, keep their flesh under control. Then there's a crown of righteousness. That's one for those, all those who love his appearing. Jesus is getting ready to come. And I tell you what, for all those who love his appearing, there's a crown of righteousness. Then there's a crown of rejoicing, which I believe is the uh, most beautiful crown of all. It's the soul winner's crown. The Bible says whoever wins souls is wise. I tell you what, win souls. Tell people about Jesus. And I tell you what, at the judgment seat of Christ, you'll get one of the most beautiful crowns of all. It's a soul winner's crown. It's a crown of rejoicing. Then finally, there's a crown of glory. 
And that crown is for ministers who, uh, who were called of God and they, they were, they were apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and they served God faithfully in the assignment to which he, he called them. And, and they never took advantage of people, but they loved people. They preached the, 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 the word of God. Uh, they didn't just preach the positive parts of the word, but they also preached, uh, you know, they didn't just preach the goodness of God. They also preached the severity of God. They preached what we would call the whole counsel of God. You know, I heard a preacher one time said, he said, all I do is preach the happy Jesus. Well, I tell you what, I preach the happy Jesus, but I tell you what, there's a, <laughs> Jesus, he, he, I remember him making, making a whip one time and running the money changers out. I don't think he was too happy when he did that, you know. He called the religious hypocrites snakes. I don't think he was too happy when he did that. You know, we need to preach the happy Jesus, all right, but we need to preach the whole Jesus, you know, the real Jesus. Amen. <laughs> and Jesus was happy alive. There's times he wasn't. We need to preach the real Jesus. Amen. But for preachers who do that, there's a, a crown of glory. Praise God. And I also believe at the judgment seat of Christ, if you study the parables of the parable of the minas, you'll see that that uh, if you're faithful in, in, in what God's given you, that he'll give you authority, I believe, in the millennium over cities. And we'll talk about that as we go on out in a future session, but uh, what we do now, we're talking about your future, my future, our future, what we do now uh, plays such a big role in uh, what is going to happen later. Uh, so, you know, as to reward and whatnot. So, hey, the raptures in our future, the judgment seat of Christ is in our future. If you're out there and you're a Christian, do good, do good works. Do good works and let the judgment seat of Christ be a be a, a happy time for you. If you're out there and you're a Christian and you haven't been doing good works, I hope maybe this message burnt some of that junk off you and uh, and and you repent and get it right so that it's so that your works don't get burned up at the judgment seat of Christ. And if you're out there and you don't know Jesus at all, then I want to give you an opportunity to receive Him right now. Uh, repent of your sins. Call on the name of the Lord Jesus. Trust in Him. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. He'll do it in a moment's time. You'll, you'll, your eternity will be. We're talking about future. Your eternal, eternal, eternal future will be changed. You'll miss hell one day. You'll make heaven. The rapture happens. You get to go into rapture, and Jesus will make your life worth living in the meantime. Glory to God. He really will. Hey, uh, I had a good time sharing this with you. And uh, hey, I'll see you right back here next week and we'll continue with this talking about your future and we'll get into some tribula- some tribulation period and whatnot and we'll just, we're, we're going to go all the way out to the new heaven and the new earth in the weeks to come. So I, I hope you hook in with me and, and, and get some good out of this. Well, God bless you. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.